It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to Dome and Domer, the oldest Notre Dame football podcast on the planet. Not, <laughs> not the oldest Notre Dame podcasters, is that what you're saying? Formative, not I'll the most too. But we are the old. So. Yes, we are. I don't know about that. Priesters, uh, priesters in the 80s. Yeah. It's all nothing. We've seen it all. This is just, you know, another blip in the road. Um, so I, I guess just first off, because I just am kind of intrigued. Um, Ed, since you know Pete Sampson, do you think he's in any hot water with tampering with Sam Hartman at all? <laughs> Did you see that at all? Somebody tried to call him out on Twitter saying that, hey, Notre Dame is tampering, you know, with Pete's announcement that how could he how could he know that Hartman is considering Notre Dame if he hasn't even entered the portal yet? Because they put the timing of Pete's tweet about Portman going into the portal and is expected to land at Notre Dame prior to port prior to. Hartman actually been announcing. Anyways, well, I thought that was Pete. That was Pete Thamel, or is that how you say his name? Pete Thamel that had it first. Maybe Pete Sampson was just retweeting that. Is what it was. I think he was. I think he was. This is why I'm not on Twitter. But, you know what? The, the thing is about if I've learned anything about this stuff is that, you know, it's it's just like, uh, you know, all this stuff is back channel, right? All these guys have quarterback coaches who know this person you know all this stuff is none of it is really officially tampering because all the communication is through you know through uh strength and conditioning coaches that they had in high school and through you know everybody knows somebody and they get messages back and forth to each other i think that's the way all this stuff works and listen i mean you know sam hartman you know at the beginning of the year said he wasn't going back this was his last year at wake forest and that he was either going to enter the draft or play someplace else so it's not like some some news that you know he was going to look you know look for someplace else to play. So, I mean, I can't imagine that that uh, you know there hasn't been some sort of behind the scenes discussions. And I don't know why it would be considered tampering. I mean, the guy's just kind of looking out for his interests, and you know, it's not like he signed with an agent or something like that. I mean, this stuff's going on all the time. So certainly, it's going on with high school kids. So I don't know why it wouldn't go on with a college senior. It is a little bit crazy. I coffee. I saw an interview with uh, Logan Diggs yesterday, yesterday or the day before after practice, and they were interviewing him. And, and one of the questions they asked is, what, "What have you learned, you know, so far being at this point prior to the game, you know, over the last couple of weeks of practice?" And I thought it was interesting what he said because he said um, it was a real challenge to kind of keep everybody together with all the talk of transfers and all this kind of stuff going on. It just goes to show how much a distraction it is with this bowl game. But I, I, I personally, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with what we're dealing with now because the bowl, the bowl game is kind of like now even worse in terms of interest level and all that. Now that all this crap's going on. It really is. I read an article uh, probably on The Athletic that talked about how the NCAA is looking at realigning its calendar 
because having the transfer date and the early signing date and the bowl games, everything just crammed all into this small area is really creating a lot of problems for a lot of coaches, even like what we would consider to be like the high powered ones. I think just having all of these things happening at once, as you said, it distracts and it really does erode at the interest of games that I'm not really sure with the advent of the 12 team playoff, these games are on borrowed time anyway, because are people really going to really care about a Gator bowl when like the, We'd be in the midst of the playoffs right now, so I think. I know nobody cares, but supposedly all these kids are having final exams too. <laughs> oh, allegedly, yes. Right. Totally. <laughs> but I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think the sport overall really has to do a major reset, and I know there have been things like uh, conference realignments and moves to the playoffs and media rights. Uh, contracts expiring and stuff like that. I think all of this stuff coming together, there really has to be a hard reset, I think. They need to have a calendar that makes sense. They need to decide whether these bowl games make sense given the playoff. And I think they need to decide how teams are going to be aligned to make sure that they keep a product that's interesting to people because you know, I, I think the regular season in basketball has been hurt by the expansion of the playoffs and the over-focus on March Madness. Are we going to start seeing that? I mean, I know there's fewer games, but are we going to start seeing that in college football, maybe? That's a good point. All right, well, let's jump over to the game. Uh, and I'm kind of curious, do you think this is a, a, a one-game opportunity for Tyler Buckner, or do you think that's just – has no mean has very little impact on the decision in August next year. Uh, I mean, there's another. Well, I, mean, I don't think it has. A, I don't think it has an impact. But I mean, I love games like this to tell you the truth because you get to see um, players um, that uh, that are really getting their first chance to to shine. You know, I think we'll see a little of Jalen Sneed. I think we'll see, you know, uh, we'll see a little bit more of the tight ends besides Michael Mayer. We'll see. You know, see if Jordan Patello can have an impact on the game. Um, you know, I kind of like I kind of like games like this. We'll see if the receivers and and Buckner have sort of taken a taken a step, you know, forward or backward. I mean, it's an interesting game to me, but I guess that's because I'm a you know Notre Dame fan, and this kind of things are interesting to me. But no, I don't think it's like a make or break game for Tyler Buckner. But certainly, if he plays well, um, you know, I think. Listen, if Sam Hartman comes to Notre Dame. He's coming because he's going to be the starting quarterback next year. They could talk all they want about, you know, how there's a spring competition or how there's a fall competition, but it's 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 sort of like the competition is going to be for who's his primary backup, you know, Minchie or Angeli or or Buckner, um, if they're all three still around. Um, so, uh, but you know, Tyler Buckner has played very little football for Notre Dame, so you know, this is a chance for him to see if uh, for us to see if um, you know how. What, how good of a decision maker? I mean, to me, um, this would not be a, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame would be a touchdown favorite um, if not for, you know, Tyler Buckner's uh, mismatch just in, in terms of sort of ability and talent and experience with Spencer Rattler. I mean, really, the only thing South Carolina has going for it in some degrees is their superior, at least on paper, going into the game at the quarterback position. I mean, they are really 
you know, down starters at just about every position um, because of transfers, because of injuries, because of the portal, um, et cetera. So, you know, I think Notre Dame's depth should win this football game, especially the fact that its offensive line is intact. You know, it has all its it has all its running backs. Um, but uh, but I think it'll be an interesting game just because, you know, Rattler has had a fantastic um, last month of the season and he's a very very good quarterback i mean i think he was wasn't he like one or two coming out of high school i mean he's he's talented as hell so um, and he's played well this year he's definitely played much better than he has in the previous couple years so he's he's had a hell of a year uh you know coffee i think what's going to be interesting is my gut instinct is you're not going to want to run Tyler Buckner four and five times in the first couple series and so you're almost forcing him to do something that he's been kind of a little bit uncomfortable with in those first couple of games. And so I do think there's going to be a lot of, it'll be interesting to see if in fact the game truly did slow down for him because he spent time up in the box watching the whole entire field at the time. Uh, that'll be interesting. I don't know. I think it's, I, I think you're going to see some runs. I don't think you're not going to see any at all. I think he's going to have to run it a couple of times but I do think you're going to see him throwing it maybe a little bit sooner than we think. I'd like to see, though, a little bit more running overall. Because if you look at the stats, South Carolina didn't have the world's best run defense. And now they're down like one of their best players who is um, getting ready for the NFL draft. I think they lost another one to injury. I think, I think th- this is an opportunity since Notre Dame has a relatively inexperienced quarterback, and I realize he was QB1 up through when he got hurt against Marshall, but I think a run-focused offense with some play-action passing in there seems to be would be a great recipe for this game for Notre Dame because you've got your down, your primary receiver uh, in Michael Mayer. You've got a more mobile but less accurate quarterback who hasn't played since game two and you've got a stable of outstanding running backs and an offensive line that is going to be coming in pretty much at full strength. So the, my money would be on a run focused offense uh, in the interest of actually getting points up on the board and taking less pressure off the defense. I think you're right about that. That wouldn't make sense. Ed, do you think we're going to see Angeli at all? You think that's a guarantee we'll see him? Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely think we will um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, I think that uh, they want to give him a little hope. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that he's he's kind of worked, he's kind of worked hard all year. Um and he should be rewarded a little bit. I mean, Buckner's kind of been practicing for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, maybe. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Angeli has performed as well, or maybe even better than, you know, than Buckner leading up to this game. Um, just because he's been, you know, he's been running plays. He's been running the offense. He's been, he's been doing stuff while Buckner's been watching. It's a lot, it's just different watching and doing. So, um, so yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll definitely throw him in there. Um, especially if, if, if Buckner um, gets off to a, a rough start or, uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, no, he'll, he'll get at least a couple, a few series, um, whether or not the game is close, I think. Yeah. Again, I think with, with just being where bowl games are now and, and the interest level and all that kind of stuff, it'd almost be kind of crazy not to play him at all. 
Um, right. Even though I think we had the same exact conversation last year, Coffee, and you were adamant about getting Buckner in the game, and he didn't take a single snap. Yeah. <laughs> True. And we still won the football game, but um, and we were up twenty-eight-seven at one point. Still didn't see a snap. So I don't know. It's got to be interesting to see how all that plays out. Well, Do, um, I think we you, this. I like the fact that we have a coaching staff with a year under its belt. Um, last year, the bowl game, Marcus Freeman is having to do like 50 million things, one of which was actually coach a game. This bowl season, I think there's a lot less pressure. There are a lot less response, a lot fewer responsibilities because you're not a brand new coach with a million people in the media wanting to get 10 minutes of your time. Now we can actually focus on the game. Yeah, I know there was some recruiting stuff going on too, but this was, this is such a, a much more calm atmosphere. And I'll be interested to see what a Marcus Freeman coach team looks like with three or four weeks to prepare and see what we get, because I think this will show us maybe what kind of just in, in general, I'm not saying in specific, maybe th this will give us a, a feel for what a, a Marcus Freeman bowl team would be like. I mean, we knew what the Brian Kelly bowl teams looked like, and I'm hoping this uh, looks better than those did. Well, it will be interesting. I, I uh, and I have to ask this because I'm just kind of curious. Um, the do you think there's much? Uh, I, I mean, I know that a lot of people are saying if you thought NIL affected the signing this year, wait till next year. Like it is going to be absolutely out of control. But you know, re realistically, we lost two kids. One of them at the running back position, where we have arguably overloaded talent there at the moment. Um, but you know, losing Peyton Bowen at the last second would have been our only five-star get. Um, and it, do you think there's any concern there that that's going to be an issue coming up again for us? That'll be tough to overcome next year in terms of the NIL and how it affects things. I mean, I think it's going to always be an issue with you know when you're in competition for those you know top. 15, 20, 30 players in the country, um, many of them are going to be swayed by, by that, um, especially when some of the, you know, amounts are rolling around. I mean, I think, I think Notre Dame is positioning itself for the longer term, hopefully. I mean, I, because I think that at some point there's going to be, there's going to have to be some, some 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 rules and some um, enforcement actions, perhaps around what are what is a legitimate NIL program and what is just pay for play, um, exactly. because they're two different things, right? So you know, I don't know. Like I, I know a little bit about Charlie Baker. I mean, I think the best thing, if if there's going to be any sort of uh, reforms and um, improvements in sort of the toothless sort of nonsense that we've seen out of the NCA for quite a while, especially under Mark Emmert, you know, maybe leadership at the top can, can sort of change this. I mean, I can't imagine a bigger issue that's coming on his plate than basically sort of, you know, retaining this sort of, you know, thinly veiled sort of mirage of, you know, amateur athletics. I mean, college football is really turning into, you know, um, you know, major league baseball, basically. Um, exactly. But, you know, so I, but I, I think that, you know, I think that Notre Dame has to sort of, you know, compete in that arena 
um, without going overboard so that they're prepared if they're and they're and they've been doing it sort of in a, in a, in a smart way if if the rules sort of come down and and sort of the pay for play aspect is is either you know um, is 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 sort of curbed a little bit um, but at the end of the day I think the, the issue for Notre Dame and five stars is always going to be you know is it a player who, you know, NIL is a secondary or third or fourth consideration, right? Yeah, I think In other words, they, they see a fit at Notre Dame, and that's the most important thing for them. And I think we should just, you know, sort of understand that, you know, five stars that come to Notre Dame, you know, it's, it's more likely that they're going to be offensive linemen than skill position guys. And um, it's going to be a real victory if we pull one off. Um, and even then, you know, I would not be surprised if, you know, there's a, you know, there's, there's a, there's a two or three guys um, on that Notre Dame got in this class that are drafted well above, you know, 10 of the five stars. One thing I was thinking about, I was at my buddy's bar the other day, he and I were talking about, you know, NIL and all that. And he said, well, Guinness is like the national beer of Notre Dame or whatever, relationship that they have established what is to stop guinness from saying hey by the way we have this arrangement with notre dame notre dame starting quarterback is going to be in a national commercial every fall and we are going to compensate them accordingly that yeah. would be something that notre dame wouldn't be paying the money it wouldn't be based on paper play or whatever that but it would say the starting quarterback will be in this commercial and we'll get paid for it I mean, yeah. th that to me is how NIL is supposed to work. It's supposed to be where we are going to use your name, image, or likeness for uh, to, to generate sales or in marketing or stuff like that. Notre Dame has a lot of corporate partners that they, that they never stop crowing about, our partnerships with Xerox and whoever. Why can't those partners uh, utilize Notre Dame players, not only for football, for basketball, hockey. I don't, think, uh, there's, I don't think there's. I don't think there's any way in the world uh, that Notre Dame will permit a student athlete to, while they're a student athlete at Notre Dame, to advertise for alcohol, tobacco, or firearms, regardless of how old they are, regardless of what position they they play, regardless of the fact that it's Guinness, which is kind of you know. Uh, Notre Dame's sort of uh, beer of choice, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not going to happen. That's kind of hypocritical, though, isn't it? I mean, they 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 enter the agreement is. with Guinness. That's kind of hypocritical, then. If well, if it's bad it to help different. alcohol it's, advertise, you know, it's it's different having a sixty-year-old ex-quarterback advertise for Notre Dame than a twenty-two-year-old current quarterback for Notre Dame. Those are two very True. different things. Long as it, but I mean, you, you raise a good point that it would the, the kid would whoever it was would have to be of legal drinking age. But I mean, if they're over 21 years old, I mean, who cares? Uh, I, just, Notre Dame would, I think Notre Dame would care because they're already sensitive to drinking on campus. And the fact of the matter is, it's a student. Um, yeah. It's regardless of whether they're 22 or 23. I just think it, there's there's no way that would happen. I mean, I, I agree with with the concept that, you know, maybe it's a. Maybe, you know, they do an ad for something else, um, a national ad, you know, whether it's for Comcast or Coca-Cola or Under Armour or NBC or one of the other big, you know, corporate partners. But I, I just I find it very hard to believe that they would ever do that. 
I, even, I, with, even with a, a relatively benign alcohol brand like Guinness. And, and I completely understand what you're saying. And I, and I under, also understand where you're coming from. But if Notre Dame did that, that would be yet another, to me at least, yet another example of them putting her, putting their own hurdles in their own way to make things more difficult than they need to be. So I, as a Notre Dame alum and fan, would be extremely frustrated by that. Well, somehow we're going to have to compete with all this. I mean, there's got to be a way to where we're, we're close enough to where it's not an easy decision to not go to Notre Dame because I'm a five-star and every single deal everywhere else is way better. So they're going to have to somehow come to grips with that. But, uh, you know, it could be that, like you say, Ed, the four stars, I mean, look, I think the good news is for Notre Dame, the number of four stars that we've signed over the last two years is far greater than we've done in the previous. There's no, There's been no two years put together back to back of 80% four stars since I, I can't remember the last time that happened. It would have to be Holtz, I would think. The blue chip um, index, I think is what they call it. They say that yeah. breaking down your class by like there, there's overall points, but then there's depth, there's quality. And I, I think the article I read called it the blue chip index. And as you said, it's been above 80% the last two classes in a row, which hasn't happened in quite a long time. Just awesome. That's great stuff. Before we, get, before we get off the NIL topic, I just want to say I think it's a much bigger issue for Notre Dame when they lose a guy like this, you know, Fisk from Western Michigan than it is yeah. when they lose a Peyton Bowen. I mean, Peyton yeah. Bowen, you know, you know, he's two hours away from Oklahoma. You know, he's got a girlfriend or friends that go there. He's an 18 year old kid, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty much of a that'd be a great, you know, that'd be an unusual pickup for Notre Dame. Yeah. Yep. You know, Regardless, but this kid from Western Michigan, you know, who's from Michigan City, um, yep. who can really enhance his draft stock at, you know, a power five school. Um, that obviously is an NIL issue that they fell short on. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's because, you know, somebody from Florida State, you know, just is going to write a check or I don't know how that how that goes down. But to me, especially when you look at sort of the opportunity that Notre Dame has on the defensive line next year, you know, graduating Foskey you know, losing the twins, et cetera. So that one to me hurts more than losing Peyton Bowen. True, true but I, I, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's a direct NIL issue, which is where someone's going to get paid to sign on the dotted line, which I think we all agree Notre Dame's probably never going to get into, whether for good or ill, it's not going to happen. But one possible complication there. Let's say he comes in, he gets like two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars or whatever, and he and he craps out and he doesn't start and he's not playing as well as the guy next to him who's not getting paid as much. That's yep. a possible issue. I mean, I, I think Kane Madden coming in, getting all these accolades, and then I don't want to say stinking up the joint, but he didn't play nearly as well as people were hoping. This this kid's still going to have to make a jump up from the MAC up to ACC level football, which, which is not an insignificant jump, at least to me. So I yeah, but don't you think those are, those are chances that you can take? And, and my understanding is, is that Notre Dame's sort of general philosophy when it comes to NIL, um, and that they're not the only school doing this, is to really spread the wealth. In other mm -hmm. words, there's somebody, there's something, some, some remuneration for everyone on the roster. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and I do think that you make a good point that, you know, there's going to, we're going to hear stories about, um, you know, some, some, 
some teams having some bad, some real chemistry issues because one guy's getting 800 grand and another guy's getting 150 grand because that, that was set up before the season started. And the guy that's getting 150 is, is a you know, potential all American. The guy that's 800 is his ass is on the bench because he's not performing. So I think that is, a, that is an issue, but Notre Dame is so selective with these, with these transfers and so selective, you know, they're mostly graduate transfers to, to date. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, specific needs that I just, I just think that, that this is a, a deal that uh, they couldn't close uh, because of NIL, and and that's a short that's a shortcoming because I don't think it you know it shouldn't have taken a you know a million bucks to get this guy you know to pick Notre Dame over Florida State. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I, th- I think this is uh, they better get their hands on this real quick because this could spin out of control if they kick this can down the road. But um, all right, let's do predictions. Coffee, what what do you think? This game, at least to me, is so difficult to predict just with all the opt-outs and stuff. In our contest, I picked 28 to 27. I've kind of rethought that. I'm going to go with 21-17 Notre Dame wins. Okay. I think this is going to be a defensive uh, struggle, for lack of a better phrase. Ed, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Notre Dame's going to – going to run the ball pretty well and uh uh i think it's going to be it's going to be a, a flip of sort of the conventional wisdom i think the offense is going to play pretty well i think the defense is is going to struggle um so i think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game and i but i think Notre Dame's going to win um 38 to 27 yeah i was closer to that i, I i'm thinking 35 30 notre dame with us rushing for probably 250 yards yeah i totally agree I, I I just think that they're not going to be able to hold us. That would be a bad sign if, you know, we go the first two series, three and out, three and out, um, trying to run the football. But I, I do I just think they're going to have a tough time with our running backs, and um, that that should allow us to control the game. And and um, but I I do think there's going to be a bunch of points on the board. Um, but yeah, it's tough. I'm, I I I'll feel much better I think when the ball is kicked off, but. You know, last night was pretty cool. I was a hell of a game, North Carolina. And um, I mean, that, that was a fun one to watch. That kid's a real talent. He's a hell of a quarterback. He's going to be a good one. Um, and so the, I, I think once the players get on the field, it'll be it'll be a football game. There's going to be all that goes by the wayside. And, uh, you know, you get, as Mike Tyson used to always say, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> I think they'll get into it. I mean, I think it'll be a lot of fun watching the game. Well, I think these games are important because, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're also kind of portal management games, right? They allow you to play some guys who maybe got frustrated this year, who didn't see as much of the field as they thought. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can work them into the mix and, you know, they get a little bit of taste of actually playing for Notre Dame. And it kind of reminds them of why they made the decision they did in the first place. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that we see a little bit of that. You know, we mentioned some of those guys, um, you know, Merriweather, Sneed, um, you know, Prince Collie continuing to play. Um, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, it sounds like Brandon Joseph is going to be, um, you know, potentially sort of hobbled. Um, so, you know, we'll see, um, we'll see some people, you know, we'll see Mickey or, you know, perhaps play a little bit better or get some confidence. So it's, you know, it's, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, you want to win going into the spring, right? You want to you want to walk off the field for the last time this year, feeling 
better about yourselves. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is they didn't play well against Southern Cal. And hopefully yeah. that's kind of sticking in their craw a little bit, especially the offensive line, um, because it, yep. uh, at least on paper, it looks like a game where they should push people around. Totally, 100%. All right, good deal. We'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Edger Danik, Mike Coffey, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.